Welcome to There Are Good Things Here, the podcast where we reflect on the lessons Katie Hubbard learned about living as she was preparing to die. I'm your host, Norman Hubbard, and I never once opened Katie's journals while she was alive. Now I'm opening them up to you so you can discover resources for your faith, refreshing honesty, and unexpected joy for the journey through a painful world with a wonderful God. During this week's podcast, I want to share with you three different journal entries. One from Caring Bridge, written by Katie. Uh, One is a journal entry that I wrote in mid-September of 2015. And another is an entry from Streams in the Desert, the devotional book that Katie was reading. First, Katie's Caring Bridge update from September 12th, 2015, entitled A Much Needed Update. All First, the big news. I have started a new alternative treatment and wanted to update you on it. The new treatment is called Protocell. It's not related to the treatments I started in Mexico, though I am continuing to do the Mexico-related stuff as well. And if you're just dropping into this podcast, you should understand that by this point in her life, Katie had been on four different chemotherapy regimens, and had also gone through radiation twice. Her body was simply no longer able to tolerate uh, standard treatments, if you will. And so a friend had encouraged her and helped us to get down to Mexico to look into an alternative regimen of therapy, and now she was also looking at another alternative treatment. She says the primary aim of Protocell is to lower the overall energy in your cells by 10 to 15%. Apparently, normal, healthy cells have lots of energy, so they're not bothered by this overall reduction. However, a cancer cell has very low energy, and it cannot sustain this loss and maintain enough energy to stay alive, so it literally falls apart and dies. After cell death, you eliminate the cancer waste product in any way that your body typically releases waste and toxins. I should, by the way, uh, put in... A disclaimer of some sort that this is, of course, the information that Katie had researched about this treatment, Protocell. I'm not arguing that anyone should pursue this line of therapy if you are also living with cancer. Uh, it was something that Katie felt compelled to try, and I agreed with her. It was also a therapy that, in her case, did not help in the long run, but she was updating everyone on where she was. Um, she said I began the treatment on Saturday evening, and by Tuesday I was getting rid of cancer waste product so much that I have spent this week flat on my back in bed, unable to function. I pretty much spent the week in bed, sleeping around the clock, and unable to eat much or keep anything in my stomach, kind of like chemo. I haven't even felt good enough to tell people that I felt bad. I am encouraged by my body's strong response to the medicine, but I'm sobered as I move forward. There is no set amount of time for how long these extreme responses will last, and her extreme responses, by the way, included a lot of vomiting. It varies from person to person, but harsh side effects are definitely a reality for people who take protocell. 
The good news is, unlike chemo, these side effects show that the abnormal cancer cells, not all cells, are being attacked. Even with the difficult reaction I've had, I'm very committed to this course of action. It seems like it is a treatment that could possibly lead to a cure. While that is not a guarantee, it is at least a strong possibility. The question is, can I endure these side effects? I lie in bed and quote, I can do all things through Jesus Christ who strengthens me, Philippians 4.13, and then I envision all of the things I long to do and the people I want to be healthy for. I have been able to decently run our house and parents since last May, so it is very sobering to be facing such a downturn again. My biggest and most troubling symptoms include nausea and a near inability to eat as well as mental sluggishness, deep fatigue, and joint pain, the likes of which I have never experienced before. Let me also say at this point, looking back now on this time in Katie's life, it's very obvious that her body was beginning a long um, and slow but definite period of shutting down that is typical when someone is approaching um, death. And so, though none of us realized it at the time, a lot of what she's describing there are some of the symptoms of her body actually beginning to shut down. They weren't simply the side effects of a new medication that she was trying. She goes on to write, why did I go this route? One, because the research and testimonials have greatly impressed me. And two, my pain began to escalate again a few weeks ago, and I knew I needed to take another step. I considered going back to Mexico, but it is just so hard for me to get there. Part of my follow-up regimen from Mexico also involves taking 26 supplements spread out over 13 times a day, most revolving around meals, before, during, or after. Not to sound helpless, but it is incredibly hard to maintain that level of structure day after day. There are just too many times when you are out unexpectedly or need to be eating a meal but aren't. With kids, it is almost impossible to maintain complete structure, even if you're a structured-by-nature person. That, combined with the need for an extended stay in Mexico, has been sobering. Protocell is taken five times a day like clockwork and seems like a therapy that fits well with my lifestyle. That is all I can remember to communicate right now. I think my updates will be short, as I have so much fatigue and mental sluggishness. My prayer is for strength to endure these rough days, and for the medicine to work, and for Norman and I to know how to proceed. As always, prayers for me and my kids are welcome. Thank you, Katie. I mentioned in last week's podcast that Katie's journal entries have her own from her own journal, not from Caring Bridge, stopped in mid-September. Mine, however, didn't. This is a journal entry that I wrote on staying focused. I was reading in Second Samuel and in the Gospel of Luke at this time, and I just thought I would share with you what was going on in my mind in mid-September of 2015. I was reflecting on Second Samuel chapter eight, verse one, which says, "After this." David defeated the Philistines and subdued them, 
and David took control of the chief city from the hand of the Philistines. The verse began, after this, and I ask, after what? As we read in 2 Samuel 7, God had just prevented David from building a temple to honor the Lord. Think of the time, attention, resources, and manpower this would have taken, and if you wonder, see 1 Chronicles 28 and 29 to weigh what a tall order this would have been for David if he had executed his plan to build the temple. Because the Lord restrained David from giving himself to the temple building project, he was free to focus on other matters, namely the Philistines. What we learn in 2 Samuel 8 is that David extended and secured his borders and he brought wealth into his realm through the spoils of war. He also, quote, administered justice and righteousness for all his people, from verse 15. David's temple project was a good idea, but God's plans were better. Often, or always, the very best we can do is to lay down our notion of the very best we can do, so we are free to focus on the next thing that ought to be done. Finally, let me read a brief portion of the devotional Streams in the Desert from September 20th. By the way, if you ever wonder what Katie was reading at any point in the year, you can turn to Streams in the Desert and be reasonably assured that she had read that day's entry. For September 20th, the entry was from John 11, verse 40. Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? I'll read the beginning paragraph, summarize the middle, and read the end paragraph from that entry of September 20th. Mary and Martha could not understand what their Lord was doing. Each of them had said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And behind their words, we seem to see their true thoughts. Lord, we do not understand why you waited so long to come or how you could allow the man you love so much to die. We do not understand how you could allow such sorrow and suffering to devastate our lives when your presence might have stopped it all. Why didn't you come? Now it's too late because Lazarus has been dead for four days. But Jesus simply had one great truth in answer to all of this. He said, in essence, You may not understand, but I am telling you that if you believe, you will see. And then the writer goes on to summarize how Abraham and Moses and Joseph and Jacob all experience these difficult circumstances that lead to ask them why or how God could have done what he did. Yet later on, he let them see his glory. And the writer concludes this way, Perhaps there is also something in your life causing you to question God. Do you find yourself saying, I do not understand why God allowed my loved one to be taken. I do not understand why affliction has been permitted to strike me. I do not understand why the Lord has led me down these twisting paths. I do not understand why my own plans, which seem so good, have been so disappointing. 
I don't understand why the blessings I so desperately needed are so long in coming. And by the way, I can envision Katie sitting down on September 20th of 2015, reading these very words and finding them resonate very much in her own heart. The final paragraph reads this. Dear friend, you do not have to understand all God's ways of dealing with you. He does not expect you to understand them. You do not expect your children to understand everything you do. You simply want them to trust you, and someday you too will see the glory of God in the things that you do not understand. Thanks for joining me on this week's podcast of There Are Good Things Here. May God bless you as you walk through times where you don't understand why God is doing what he's doing, but you trust that someday you will see his glory. 